All right, everybody, good morning. It's Valerie Del Grosso, your friend who's a lawyer, and we're back with the next installment of the Best Business Practices Summit for Coaches. I'm really excited to introduce you this morning to Abiola Abrams. She is a spiritpreneur, success coach, and self-worth midwife, and I am really looking forward to getting into what all of that entails. She's going to talk to us about selling spiritually in your life coaching business and the five steps to doing that. And um, I'll just tell everybody, you know, who's been listening to this or who's been listening to the replay that um, we've gone over some really specific and concrete things. And so I've asked Abiola to get more into the woo-woo side of things uh, because I think we need both sides of that in our businesses. So welcome. Thank you again so much for being here. Yes, Goddess Vanessa. So just so you know, I'm going to refer to you as Goddess Vanessa. I'm so excited to be here and even more proud to be representing the woo-woo side of life. <laughs> yes, we need a little more of that because it can be very tedious just uh, <laughs> sitting at our computers all day. So tell us more about you and who you work with. Yes. So the reason why I'm here representing the woo woo, you know, you will hear oftentimes, you know, in lots of business conferences, I've spoken at women's empowerment events all around the world and people will make an excuse. Like if they're going to say something that seems like it's going to veer off and they'll say, okay, this is going to sound woo woo or not to sound too woo woo, but, or I'm sorry, you know, this may be a little woo woo. And I'm like, yeah, I am the woo woo unapologetically. <laughs> and we need lots of woo woo. My whole, everything I built my business around is about woo woo. So my platform, womanifesting.com, like manifesting, but Manifesting is the home of the Spiritpreneur Guru Academy. And I created the Spiritpreneur Guru Academy to be a home for spiritual business women, coaches, healers, practitioners, uh, and creative gurus, high exalted mystic rulers who don't feel necessarily that they fit into other entrepreneurial spaces because they feel like they need the balance of mind, body, and spirit. And I believe very, very strongly that how we do anything is how we do everything. And so oftentimes you'll find that in a lot of entrepreneurial courses, you know, you, I'll find coaches saying, well, I'm giving them all of the steps. I'm telling them what to do and why aren't they doing it? Why aren't people taking action? And it's because that mindset part is missing and, you know, that heart set part is missing, you know? And so the Spiritpreneur Guru Academy fills in that gap. And I have Spiritpreneurs who are in the obvious niches of, you know, um, empowerment and spirituality, health and wellness. But then I have spiritpreneurs who are in fashion, beauty, love, sex, dating relationships. You know, it's the whole range. And so I have that program and then an annual international healing spiritual retreat mm. called Goddess Pray Love Retreat, where we go to, uh, we've been to Bali and Belize and places like that and handle the soul care, the foundation underneath everything that makes it happen. And then I make empowerment products like, you know, affirmation cards and meditation albums and books and all of those things to help to take us to the next level. So I'm excited about this. Ooh, that is a lot. Well, fantastic. I love that you work with kind of this big spectrum of people um, because I think that speaks to how maybe fundamental all of this is. And 
it's as you're talking, I'm reminded of <clears throat> when I first began working with the coach who is now my business partner. I just I couldn't articulate like you see these people really hitting it out of the ballpark doing business online. And there's this element of like magic, but I felt like it was all magic and I, I couldn't understand how the systems worked. And then she came in and really made everything systematic. And when we did our first launch together and it was a success, I said, it's like you took the magic out of it. And now I understand, but it's a whole shift had happened. And so the magic really was still there and it changed kind of the way that I do everything. So I love that quote about how you do one thing is how you do everything. So um, you're going to talk to us today about selling spiritually. So first, I guess, tell us how does, what do you mean by spiritually and, and how big a piece do you consider selling as opposed to everything else that happens in a business? Okay, so I'll take those two separately. And if I forget to get to the second part, remind me because I really want to talk about that. So the reason why I feel like this is such an important topic is that I find with women entrepreneurs, you know, particularly my clients who are conscious, heart-based entrepreneurs, natural givers, empaths, people who care about the world and want to leave the world a better place. When it comes to the part of it where you're charging for your services and your products is the place where it is the hardest place, the hardest nut to crack, you know, for us as a tribe. And I'm just going to include you in the spiritpreneurs because you are, you know, <laughs> um, I can feel that and tell that from you. And this came about not only from having seen it in so many women entrepreneurs around the globe, but from my own personal experience that, you know, like so many of us who are listening, you know, I'm a natural giver. And if tomorrow we move to a system where everything was free and whatever, I would still be doing the same thing. We would still be going around and, you know, finding ways to empower, to uplift, to transform, to help other people. This is what we do because this is who we are at our core. And I was at a place where I was in danger of having to shut my business down because I was overworked right? Overworked and underpaid, except that I was already my boss. Well, that boss sucks. What? Like you're working <laughs> 70 hours a week and you're like, can't pay your bills. Like what a horrible boss. But the boss was me. And so I really needed to go back and look into my own fundamental spiritual practices, mindset practices, and also belief systems that I had inherited from my family who, you know, I have a very strong um, background of healing and giving in my family. My father is a minister and a journalist, you know, so I'm basically <laughs> him for you know, our generation. <laughs> and my great great grandmother in Guyana, South America, where my parents are from, because I'm a first generation American, first person in my family born in the US. And my great great grandmother was a midwife and the equivalent of what we would call today a woman's fertility healer. She worked with women's wombs to help them to give birth to their babies. And so she was paid in chickens and goats and, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, people felt comfortable with that because they felt somehow, okay, if you're a healer, or a giver, you know, giving you, you know, chickens and goats and eggs and stuff like that is different than money because money we think of as dirty or bad or evil or something like that. And so I had two belief shifts 
one of them was realizing that what my grandmother was getting paid in wasn't different at all. It just so happened that the currency in her society at that time was chickens and goats. And so it was no different than cash or an Amex card or Bitcoin or whatever it is. The, as we can see, the currency changes and grows, you know, like when I was born, Bitcoin hadn't existed yet, right? And so, but for my niece, who's four years old, Bitcoin will always seem a part of her currency. And so getting paid in chickens and goats is no more righteous, you know, like I was righteous about my poverty. I was righteous. Yes about, you know, and, and because I also come from a background as an artist and a writer, all of my friends were starving artists and we were righteous in the fact that we were healers and givers and that the people with money, you know, they were something else or, you know, like some, you know, like I have like all of these beliefs that I had to dig up and throw away. And the second belief system, the big shift that I had to have was realizing that you know, the force that created us, whatever name you want to give that force, is an abundant force. Go to any park or ocean or stream. And if I truly believe what I was saying that I believed is that, you know, the same force that created the mountains created me, then that force does not want me to suffer or be <laughs> poor or, you know, like, no, not at all, not at all. The force that created us, like there, we can't number the amount of flowers that exist. We can't number the amount of insects and, and animals that exist. We can try, but we can't. We can only but understand so much with our human understanding. It's very egotistical to think that we would have, you know, all of the answers. But one thing that we can see for sure is that it is, it's an abundant planet. It's an abundant planet and there's abundance all around us. And realizing that money truly is an energy exchange, an energetic exchange. And so if you're having challenges, you're watching this and you're having challenges charging for your services, I want you to think of it this way. That, you know, just like with my great great grandmother in South America in a small village in Guyana, exchanging for, you know, chickens or goats or whatever for her work. For you, it's the same exact thing. It just so happens that the currency, the energy exchange is different. We use, you know, pretty paper with people's faces <laughs> on it. That's <laughs> right. It's the same thing. So that covers so many things. If I can jump in and say, I the number one thing that hits me about what you just said is when <clears throat> you were talking about looking at belief systems and things you inherited and looking at where you come from, when I do that or have done that, I'm looking at, oh, that was very negative messaging. That was negative messaging. That was negative messaging. But you immediately went to, I come from givers. And I also come from givers and over-deliverers and overdoers, And so I think that's such a diplomatic and helpful way of embracing where you come from, but also realizing what that can mean or where it can veer off from great to maybe not so great. Yes. And then the second thing is that energetic exchange. Um, this is, you know, I'm not this super spiritual woo-woo person, but like I say, I know that there's something there. And I think the piece that's easiest for me personally to relate to is that there is an energy around money and in sales conversations. And the more I embrace the value that I'm giving people, 
the easier it is to have those conversations and the easier those conversations go and the more successfully they go. I think people really, um, they can sense when you're not comfortable owning the number that you're saying aloud. And, and last night's panelists spoke specifically on pricing and how to look at the value that you're giving someone in price based around that. And some of the more, again, concrete elements around pricing. Um, but I think we can all relate to the fact that <clears throat> we feel something before we say that number out loud. It just depends on what is it. <clears throat> yes, yes, absolutely. And one of the things that I've noticed, you know, is that with men, you know, that when they're giving their price, it's a very straightforward transaction, right? And they will oftentimes negotiate themselves up because they've been taught to do that. And women will negotiate ourselves down. As we give the price, before we give the price, we're like, you know what? And then I can throw in an extra session. <laughs> and you know what? My mom's free. She'll bake you a pie. And uh, you know what? Why don't I come by and give you a pedicure <laughs> and, and, and two more weeks free? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you're still not sure. I'll follow up with you in a week. <laughs> right, right. And the thing is that, you know, it's the same energy as, you know, if you're trying to find a relationship, you know, desperation as human beings, we can feel it and nobody wants to be a part of that. And it's the same thing in your business with your pricing if you're coming from an energy of desperation. And so I'm a big fan of, you know, some people like when people become entrepreneurs, they tell them, you know, quit your job immediately, burn all boats, blah, 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 blah. And I people are actually relieved, my beautiful spiritpreneurs, when I say to them the opposite. I think that, you know, it's really powerful to be able to be an angel investor in your own business. And then you're not coming from a place of desperation. You're able to confidently state your fees and get used to it and reset your default settings to where it becomes second nature and just <laughs> let the numbers land. Practice, practice it, practice it in a mirror and let it feel a part of your body come into alignment with that new level. And it really does shift everything. That is a really excellent point. I am a person who kind of landed in the middle. I thought I had a plan and I quit my job and I had, you know, six or eight months of expenses in the bank and all of these things. And two things happened. One is I realized that all of the things that made my position that I quit seem absolutely unbearable. We're going to come rearing up again with me as the boss. It, that has a weird way of happening. Yep. <laughs> and then second, I had this plan but for anyone who's experienced in business, you know, almost never does the original plan work. <laughs> and so you've got to give yourself the runway to be able to do exactly that, to just practice and say it out loud. So the not quitting of the job, um, I recall being like, I cannot do this for another second. Um, but I think it's better to stick it out. I do think that's the well, let me let me just say this, Goddess Vanessa, that, you know, I'm going to quote Gary Vaynerchuk quoting a boxer <laughs> is that everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Like that's like boxer, oh, yeah. boxer <laughs> wisdom, right? Like you get in there and it's like, I've got a plan. I've got an agenda. I've got a plan. I might have that framed. <laughs> <laughs> until they get punched in the face. Like we all have a plan until life punches us in the face and you can't run from who you are. So that's why I also yes. created a business where I had a horrible boss who was working me 70 hours and hardly paying me any money except for that boss. 
is me. And so if you have a job that is soul crushing and soul depleting, I do not urge you to stay in that because mm. that might be so energetically depleting that you have nothing to give to your business. Oh, that's a good point. Instead, there's nothing wrong with because you know what you're working toward and those who are assured of the outcome can afford to wait to downgrade and take a job that you wouldn't normally take. That's not, you know, not something that requires your brain because mm -hmm. you want to give your brain to your whole business. And so I was having a conversation with someone, you know, last week who was saying she couldn't, she was like, oh my God, you know, all of these lessons are so powerful. I see all of these women in the Spiritpreneur Guru Academy doing, you know, amazing things like, oh, they booked their clients or they did this or did that or whatever. And she's like, I can't focus, um, you know, because I'm having like all of these money problems. And I said, well, what's your source of income? Because she's still getting her business set up. And she was like, I don't have one. And I said, you know what, right now, like take, let's shift your focus. Your job is to get a job, like right now. Like we're going into the holiday season. Everyone lives near a mall, find a mall, find a retail job that is brainless where you can be there for 20 hours a week or 10 hours, however much it would take you to be able to sustain then being able to give full energy to your business which is totally different than staying in a soul crushing business where you know, you're trying to squeeze your business in. I really admire you for giving that advice because I think in a way, I think entrepreneurship, we, we have to brainwash ourselves a little bit because it's a high risk venture. It can be high risk. Um, and so having that realism about it, where if you can take the edge off money wise, it can give you a longer period of time to make the business go. Yeah, absolutely. And oftentimes it's an ego thing, right? Like we're all like highly educated. Like I have, you know, graduate degrees, et cetera. Like, you know, so it feels like I can't be working in a mall, but you're not working in a mall. You are building your business and you're angel investing in your business. And that's all that matters. And then you'll have in a year, a great story. You'll say, oh my God, a year ago, can you believe I was working in a mall? You know, you're there's a Lululemon application in my recent history. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I worked for Spanx as a Spanx representative in like in Nordstrom and you know Neiman Marcus, etc. And it's so interesting because things that I learned doing that, you know, having because I have social anxiety and I have it was really hard for me to talk to people. But you know, you go up to women and start talking to them about their undies, and you would. <laughs> way more confident really quickly <laughs> and also you know getting to learn you know how sarah blakely youngest female billionaire entrepreneur self-made built her company and being in that energy the branding and all of those things was really great so instead of thinking oh my god like you know me at starbucks or wherever it would be the mall or something like that what can you learn while you're there that's right Oh, that's fantastic advice. Well, so let's dive in to the five steps for selling spiritually. Yes. Okay. So the first thing is, you know, you want to come from a place of authenticity and your authenticity, I call, you know, diving into your story selling, mm. like storytelling, but story selling you telling your story in a very specific way to the people who are meant to hear it is very magnetic to your soulmate clients. And so you don't wanna get in the energy of where you're chasing and looking for clients and hunting them down. If you build yourself to be a magnet, 
which, you know, by being authentic, by having an authentic offer that is very niche for very specific people, knowing that you are not for everybody, write that down if you're watching this, <laughs> I am not for everyone, and being confident about that, then you attract the people who are meant for you. They start to find you, and when they do find you, then everything is in alignment. And so then you are more magnetic, you know, when you share, oh my goodness, I used to work at Lululemon and I'm really, you know, a professional accountant by history and I had to go back and do that. And, you know, and you're telling your story in a way that is authentic because we all do business. We've heard with people we know, we like, and we trust. And so the way that that no like, and trust factor can come, you know, people talk about the law of attraction. It's the same exact thing. You being a magnet for your money, for your opportunities, for your soulmate client is imminently more powerful than you thinking that you need to chase opportunities and you need mm. to chase things, you know? And so number two along those lines is I would say, trust your intuition. You know, we think that we have to leave our intuition behind when it comes to building our businesses. But the biggest snafus that I've had, you know, in my business, I've had that moment where something in my stomach says, oh, something about this person, you know, or something about this thing is not quite right. And we're the only animals on the planet that, you know, don't trust our instincts if, you know, a bear is scared or a bear feels something's not right. A bear is going to move away from it, you know? And so we need to trust our intuition, trust your intuition, tune into, you know, the fact that, okay, if I knew the answer, what would it be? What is my heart telling me to do? Mm. And the beautiful thing is that science is now showing that the heart is, you know, infinitely more powerful than the brain. We used to think that the brain was our most powerful organ. And it's interesting, it's the heart. So what is your heart telling you to do? Does this feel good? Ask your body. We have so much body wisdom. Put your hand over your heart and say, okay, is this a good deal? Or when it comes to pricing your business, you know, I say pricing is a spiritual practice, you know, what is, you know, how much do I feel like I should charge for this? And go with that. Trust it, trust it, trust it, trust it. On that note, I just want to say, in case there are people out there who have done the same thing, I had this boyfriend years ago who pointed this out to me. He would be in the most dire straits yeah. and an opportunity would come his way and he would say, no, thank you. And I would think to myself, are you crazy? You have no prospects how do you think you can turn that down? And he said to me one time, I go fishing. I put a line with a hook looking for the certain thing I'm catching. And you go out there with your net and you just scoop up whatever you can. And you say, I think I can make this work. And I was like, that is so true. That is what I do. And it's really easy to ignore your intuition and say, well, I'm smart. I'm capable. I, I will make this work. I'm going to muscle it out despite the red flags and the difficulties and all of that. Um, and I have landed in so many unexpected and unwanted places following that instead of sticking true to myself. So that authenticity piece, that's something that in the last year, 18 months, that's really what I personally have been working on. So yes. I came from a place of like, I've got to make something work. There's this thing right here. I'll just do that. And, and that's really a mistake. Building that iron stomach to wait. Yes. To have the right opportunity. That is a skill that will serve you in business. 
It will. It absolutely will. You know, and that brings me your example with your your boyfriend. It brings me exactly to point number three, which is about, you know, your soulmate clients. You know, if you try to be for everybody, then you're really for no one. There's no way that you can speak to everyone. So being very, very specific about who your services are for and who they're not for you know, very clearly who they're for and who they're not for and having the courage um, and the personal integrity, you know, for yourself to be able to say, you know, a hard yes or a hard no. Like they say, you know, it's, it's either a hell yeah or it's a no, you know, and being able to come from that place. And that's not, that's not an easy thing. That's not an easy thing at all. You know, I'm, I'm not saying this to say that, oh, it's so easy. It's not easy at all. But, but the great thing is that when you're very clear about who your soulmate clients are, then you can deep dive to be able to serve them. I say, rather than going wide, go deeper with your business. You know, once you have that core group of people, what do they need? Think problem, solution, problem, solution. Every solution that you, Every problem that you solve for us, if we're your soulmate clients, opens up another problem. So for example, if you are a weight loss coach and you are going to help us to have a food plan. Okay. So now we have a food plan. So now we need to know what to do with it. Maybe I need to know how to, you know, work out or, you know, think about like how to go deeper. Right. How to go deeper with the same people rather than going wide and trying to speak to multiple different people at the same time. That was something I think a lot of new business owners have, again, it just kind of goes to that trust, have diff, have a hard time thinking, I can offer all of these things. And so now when I hear people say things like, I'm a one-stop shop, if you need any help with anything related to this, I'm your person, I cringe because yeah, that's, it, yes. it actually cuts against their credibility of being really expert in the area that they're owning. Absolutely. You know, and it's so funny because when I say to people, well, you know, I am a speaker, I'm a coach, I'm a product creator, I am a media personality. I say, wow, you do so much. I said, no, no, no. I do one thing, one thing on different platforms, you know, so whether I'm writing an article or on a stage or working with my clients, it's the same exact thing that I'm doing, except for the platform has shifted. Same exact thing, just a different platform. Really, really important to think about, you know? And then the next thing, number four, is your mindset. So realizing that you can't ignore whatever challenges and issues that you may have because they're going to follow you. <laughs> and yeah. so you really want to, you know, address these issues, the beliefs that you have. A belief is just a thought that we think we keep on thinking, you mm. know, and our belief systems can be shifted, but you first have to start out with not believing everything that you think. Don't believe it just oh, because you think amen. it. <laughs> that was my mantra for so many years. You are not your mind. Everything you think is not reality. Yes. It's very easy to fall into that trap that if it comes across, it's true. And that is just not. 
It's not. And, and for example, you know, we were talking about, you know, um, with money, you know, that a lot of us grew up with the subliminal belief that people with money are greedy or people with money are bad. And, and we have these money blocks, whether you grew up very wealthy, very poor, or somewhere in between. And if you have that belief system, then you're going to sabotage yourself every time that you hit, you know, that limit, that place, you know, you're going to sabotage yourself back to where it feels comfortable for you you know? And so it's something that we need to address. It's not a small thing. It's not a, okay, well, you know, that's not hard business. It is hard business because you can't do the rest without it. Yeah. You know? you can't do uh, the rest without it. This, <laughs> is, this is very validating because I, um, especially being amongst lawyers and analytical people who think that they know it all, um, going through this personal development side on my own, these are these are things I'm familiar with. So I feel pretty good about that, having come a long way from where I started. So oh, that's I, great. Yeah, the mindset <laughs> that's awesome. piece. That's I yeah. I encourage anyone who is um, skeptical or you know isn't sure how it can work for them. I think you have to find the person that really speaks to you. It's kind of like anything else. You just have that energy with somebody. Uh, find the person that speaks to you and just do a little exploring in the mindset area because it will um, reveal some things that you may be telling yourself that you're not even realizing. It really, really does. I mean, they could go to, I have tons of free videos on YouTube that they can go and watch that address specifically this, specifically mindset. Um, and a, a mindset shift practice that I do is called emotional freedom technique, hmm. um, you know, tapping. So it's like acupuncture, but acupressure. And I have tons of free EFT videos. If you Google Abiola and EFT, or just go to my site, we're manifesting, like manifesting, we're manifesting.com, because it really does help you to be able to create that shift. And again, like we're saying, don't believe things just because you think them. <laughs> yeah. So on the EFT, I was at a conference recently and they had a practitioner get up and speak. And I, I had never, I'd heard the term, but had never experienced it or seen it. And it was amazing, you know, the whole room doing it and talking through specific beliefs people were dealing with their situation. So I'll definitely check out your videos. I, I, yeah. I'm just going to make a quick note to myself on that. Yeah, it has been transformational for me. Like I said, I have a background with anxiety. I have a background with disordered eating, you know, and things that just I've inherited in my family, like all of us. Yeah. And it has been very shifting for me. It's been shifting for my sister. You know, I've done it with my mom and you know have done it with like huge rooms of 5,000 people and it is a powerful transformational tool I love really it powerful yes hmm. and so yes and so number five is don't be afraid to be weird don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid, you know, the things that make you different, like when you're trying to fit in with other people, you know, those, the things that make you different, make you able to create your own lane. So instead of thinking, you know, I'm in competition with all of these people, think about community. So like we're doing right now, you know, you're in being in community rather than competition, you know, is actually, which would be a great point by itself, is really, really powerful. And so one of the things that I want to talk about, you know, specifically when it comes to women entrepreneurs, oftentimes we hold ourselves back 
we shrink, we play smaller than we are. You know, I've dumbed myself down. I'm, uh, you know, I remember doing that, you know, in college and stuff like that, you know, and we, we do that because we have this fear of outshining the tribe, fear of, you know, being brighter, fear of, you know, that, and also the imposter syndrome, fear of being a fraud, being an imposter, everyone will find me out, you know, and those things will, if we invest our energy in holding ourselves back or making other people feel comfortable with ourselves, with, with who we really are or who we, you know, the things we want to say and the things that we have to share or the things that, you know, people like us, whatever your people like us is, people like us do that. People like us don't do that. If you have those kinds of beliefs, they will keep you small. They will hold you back and they will hold back your business and everything that you do. On your website, when I went to look at it, it says right at the top, it takes courage to be seen. And that really hits home, I'm sure, for a lot of people who are watching this or who are going to listen to the replay. And I I've know that feeling intimately of it's almost a fear of success because then you'll have to, like, explain and be open. And I mentioned one of the other panelists, it's... Um, who was talking about image and style. And she was saying there is a, an important element of working from the outside in when a lot of us, especially introverts or heart-centered entrepreneurs are working from the inside out. Sometimes you get stuck on the inside and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking as an introvert, I can absolutely agree with that. Sometimes you do. And it's, again, it's all a balance. You know, we need all of it. And so if you're afraid to be, be your bright, shiny self, like whatever that self is. And, you know, if you are going to, you know, shine brighter or shine bigger or whatever it is, the people who love you, whether it is, you know, your family, your friend group, your cultural group, or, you know, your soulmate clients, the people who are for you will be for you. And if, will some people fall away if you, you know, claim a big, scary dream or whatever it is, or start doing something that makes them uncomfortable? Yeah, they might, but that's okay. That's all right. You have to be okay with that. One of the things that I, you know, have as a mantra that we repeat at my retreats is I am comfortable making others feel uncomfortable. Oh, I need to write that down. Yep. I am comfortable making others feel uncomfortable. And you just have to become comfortable with the fact that some people will be uncomfortable with your evolution. Some people will be uncomfortable with your growth. And sometimes in, you know, families, it's because they want to keep us safe. You know, so they may be coming from, you know, with our parents or, you know, family of origin or whoever raised us or that sort of thing. They may just want to keep you safe. And so if you say something scary, like I'm going to quit my job and open up a coaching business or whatever, they may want to keep you safe. But that attempt to keep you safe also keeps you small if you stay in alignment with that. And it's more powerful to have a courageous conversation with them and say, hey, you know, I, I, I understand and I, I know where you're coming from, but I want you to trust that, you know, that I am the person that you raised me to be. I want you to trust that I am going to know what I'm doing and will everything work out, you know? No, sometimes I'm going to fall on my face and that's natural and I'm okay with that, but this is a decision and this is my path and I'm really excited about it. So what I need you to do is just have my back. That's all. Yeah, 
That's a great way to say it. I know, you know, I never, um, <clears throat> I never realized that people come from backgrounds that can be so limiting, I'll say, in terms of if you want to strike out on your own, people are saying, no, that's not going to work. What are you doing? Don't be ridiculous, that kind of thing. I come from people who maybe don't know how to have those conversations. And so they sit back and just go, huh. And so I was at um, Fabian Fredrickson's mindset retreats a little over a year ago. And I thought it was so interesting. I mean, that was just a whole lesson in the art of this like long pitch, right? And um, she had a whole section on, on here's what you tell your spouse tonight about why you want to sign up. And I do that too, yes. Yeah, and, and it was very eye-opening for me because it made me realize, okay, for, for all of the uh, quirks and, and traits of the people that I come from and, and all of that, um, that luckily is not one of the things that I struggle with and you know have to deal with, but it's, um, I guess I had also never thought. It's just them trying to protect you, probably from their own experience, saying like, oh, I don't think you're going to be able to bust out of this, but, you know, yeah. I, I want to warn you. <laughs> yeah, and I have, you know, lots of people who I went to school with, lots of people I can think of, um, who, for example, became lawyers who, unlike you, that wasn't their calling, that they, they, you know, like, it was like, okay, well, we, you know, like, kind of like, well, you don't know what to do, just go to law school, you know, like, and yeah, so big mistake for anyone thinking about that, by the way, if you don't know what to do, don't go to law school, yeah, it's but it's kind of the default thing that yeah. you know, people think, and then they're like, uh, then they're miserable and trying to figure something else out. And yeah. so, you know, again, yeah, they should take it from you. Like, you know, don't think like, okay, well, I'll just do that. Years to figure out how I could make this work for me and the amount of um, expectations I had to ignore because people expect a certain thing uh, that was just not sustainable for me. So I'm sure there are actually a lot of professions like that, but lawyers seem to be a self-selecting sort of special miserable breed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> yeah, dated so, a lot of lawyers. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People looking for a coaching niche, uh, lawyers is one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we went through these five things and I think there are just a lot of great points here, but have we missed anything or is there any sort of cherry on top that you think it's really important for the listeners to hear? I would say that the cherry on top is always mindfulness to do everything with purpose and with intention and embodiment. So if you are putting yourself forward as an expert in, I don't know, natural hair or whatever it is, and you're gonna be a natural hair guru, go all in, feel it down to your bones, you know, be passionate about it because we can feel that. And that's gonna be the energy that, you know, allows the people who are meant for you to come and want to invest in themselves through you. You embodying everything that you claim to believe. If, for example, you are, you know, a health coach and you are lackluster and you're like, you know, well, come and I'm going to help you with your health. And we'll like, no, like we don't want any parts of that, right? We pick up on your energy. And so be mindful, be purposeful, be intentional about who you are, how you show up in the room and the energy that you bring. And it will shift you, your life and your business. I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say it like that myself. Um, thank you so much for that. And, and you're offering a free gift to the listeners. What does that entail? 
Yes. So appropriately, I have a free spiritual selling success secrets masterclass. Say that five <laughs> times fast. <laughs> spiritual selling success <laughs> secrets masterclass. And they can take that at Rich goddess.club rich goddess.club and they can head over to my site like i said manifest womanifesting.com it's like manifesting.com but womanifesting where they can learn about the spiritpreneur guru academy and you know everything that is happening in the spiritpreneur universe perfect thank you so very much that link we will put it in the replay email that'll come out later tonight we'll put it below this video as well Abiola, thank you again so much. I really appreciate you being on here. We're going to connect off here. Um, I feel like we need to be friends and colleagues. <laughs> yes, totally. I do too. <laughs> Perfect. Well, take care, everyone else. I'll see you back here at 2 p.m. Pacific for our next interview. And in the meantime, we'll let all of that digest. <laughs> take Bye. care.